you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. This nation has always been defined by a dream. A dream to achieve and live beyond the fold. Innovation, creativity, and freedom are hallmarks of this American dream. But this dream comes with a cost. And it's not preserved without self-sacrifice. The men and women who serve our country are not just soldiers. They are defenders of freedom. They are protectors of our rights to pursue happiness. We use words like honor, courage, and bravery to describe our veterans. They have taken turns standing guard over the dream that makes America so special. The freedom to live, love, and worship God is possible because of our veterans. This is what makes America so special and what makes our veterans heroes. Good morning. If you're a veteran, please stand. Well, I'm standing. I'm a veteran too, so I don't have to stand up. We got two Army veterans there. I was an Air Force veteran. I know two gentlemen here, not today. One was Army and one was Marine. Uh, we thank those gentlemen. Great honor and privilege to have done that a few years ago, more than a few years ago. And what a great country we live in that we can honor our veterans tomorrow. Uh, probably most of us are working. Some of us may be off because of a holiday at work, I don't know. But uh, keep those veterans in mind. Um, that was a long time ago, but I'm, I'm really glad I did it. I think I did it way back then because my father did it, my grandfather did it. And when I got in, I thought, oh, what have I done? <laughs> Isn't that right, Tom? Okay. But now it's over. Um, we're we can say that we were glad to serve you. Uh, and there are a lot of young men and women today that are serving us, and we're so glad. So if you get a chance, you see any of them, just tell them thank you. And they'll appreciate it. They probably don't even know what to say to you. But it doesn't matter. Go ahead and say it to them anyway. So let's get to the Lord's work today. Let's talk about the Bible. Honestly, that last song, I can go on home. The, you already heard the sermon, so there's no reason for me to even speak. Y'all can go home and eat. You can go home and watch football, uh, walk, exercise, whatever you want to do. That song is wow. And, you know, I always remember one time the Lord spoke to me. I was getting ready to speak at a church here in Morganton, and they were singing music, and it was more of a traditional music than that was, and and I remember these thoughts came on me, and I, I really believe the Lord spoke to me because it's, 
It was so prominent when, he, when the word, and I can remember it. I heard him say, the anointing's in the music. The anointing's in the music. And I think of the psalmist David, who would sing and play musical instruments unto the Lord. And There's just something about music that stirs our souls. So we're so happy, Jory and, and all the other guys singing, and we're just so happy. And we're also happy today if you're a visitor or if you're someone who hadn't been with us a while. You know, uh, there's a scripture that says, do not forsake the assembly of the believers. And that, that command is not is a, like, you better do this kind of command. It's because we need each other. That's why it's not to forsake the assembly of believers. We gain strength by being together. That's the good part of do not forsaking. Because I remember a time in my life that I forsake the assembly for believers about 20 years of forsaking. And uh, wow, did all the trouble come in my life and, and all the problems I had. So keep that in mind. I know everybody... Uh, has sometimes we have difficulty coming together because of different things in life or illness or sickness. But let us know here at the church. Let us know that you you got some problems. Let me know while I'm filling the role as interim pastor. Get me a text, a phone call, an email, whatever you want, or or Brother Warren or, or Josh or anybody. We don't know everything going on in your life, okay? Nor could we. But we can try to be helpful to you during those times and those troubles. And, you know, we all have jobs and we all have work and we all have families, but we can work together uh, as a team to help each other during these times of tribulation and troubles. Because you, as you know, if you haven't figured it out yet, there will be trouble coming. There will be problems coming your way. That's just part of being a human being. That's part of life. So let us help you. Let us join together. Let us be part of the family and help each other. Um, you heard the music. Can anybody guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a resurrected life. We're going to talk about the resurrection in the Scriptures. Now, I'll challenge you today. If you can just tell me one word the Lord spoke to you, or a phrase or a sentence or a word, that's all that's important to me as someone who today tries to do the very best he can to bring you the Word of God. The greatest privilege, besides being a Christian, is being able to share the Word of God with you as God has spoke to me. There's no greater privilege. There's no greater privilege than even being a member of veteran than being able to share the Word of God with you today. The best of my ability in having God use me. We're going to be looking in the 11th chapter of John. We've been going through the Gospel of John. I've been doing more of a survey of the Gospel of John than trying to go through every verse and every chapter. But we're going to look at the 11th chapter of John, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 27. To give you a little background, Lazarus has died. He is the brother of Mary and Martha. All three of them are very close to Jesus. 
Word has got to Jesus that Lazarus dead and the families called him. But Jesus says, we'll go in a couple days, he tells his disciples. And they said, well, you know, if he's just sleeping or sick, he'll be all right in a day or two. And Jesus says, no, he's died. And it's for my glory that he's died. So he waits. And so he comes to the family, and they're upset, just like any would be with a family member who's died. Matter of fact, Jesus loved Lazarus so much in this family, it says Jesus wept. And then he calls Lazarus by name out of the tomb, and Lazarus comes forth after four days where his body most likely smelled, wrapped in the burial cloths that we would, in that time, bury somebody in. So that's your background. That's where we are today. So before I read the Word of God and get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit here today. We felt your presence in our gathering here together as a community. We felt your presence in the anointing of your music. We feel that spirituality here today. Lord, we all come to you as a people who struggle with life. Who struggle with society's problems. Struggle with sickness, illness, death, finances, work. We come to your broken people, but yet a redeemed people. Redeemed by your Son and the blood and the death and the burial and the resurrection of your Son. We look forward to your Son's return. We look forward to being caught up in the air or being resurrected to life again. We ask you today, Father, to give us a word or a phrase that will make us think, that will touch our hearts, will touch our lives, so that we will not be the same as when we walked in a few minutes ago, that we can walk out of here and knowing Truly, the Lord spoke to me today, and I'm so glad because I need to make correction or give blessings in my life. I ask this in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're going to begin in chapter 11 of John, verse 20 through 27. If you look at your scriptures, your Bibles, your phones, as I read the Word of God, verse 20 says this in chapter 11. Then Martha, 
as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the Word. May God bless the reading of His Word. The resurrection and the life. Christ is the great dispenser of life. There in verse 25 it says, I am the resurrection and the life. He gives us physical life. He also gives us spiritual life. Jesus had a teaching moment here for Martha, and He has a teaching moment for you and for me. He's the dispenser of life. He's giving life to each and every one of us. Our heart beats. We breathe. We think. That's the physical life, but we also have the spiritual life. If you look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 25 in the Scripture, I want to share with you something here. Acts 17, 25, talking about our physical life. Paul addressing here on Mars Hill says, Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things. I want you to take a moment and either place your hands on the place to feel your pulse or on the heart with your hand to hear it. And take a moment or on your neck and feel your pulse. Christ is the reason you feel your pulse. Has it ever occurred to you why your pulse beats? Is there some little wind-up tool in your heart that you wind up every morning to make it beat? No. Christ is the dispenser of your physical life. Hold your breath a while, and eventually you can't do it anymore. You've got to breathe again. You breathe automatically. Has it ever occurred to you really the miracle of life? Has it occurred to you how that happens? Scientists would tell us that it's energy pulsating, causing your heart to beat and you to breathe. I wouldn't disagree with that. But who or what causes that? And I suggest to you today that Jesus Christ is the dispenser of your physical life.
the only reason your heart is beating at this very moment is because He chooses for you and I to be physically alive here today. Life is sacred. And we should take it to be so. God has a purpose for you in your life or your heart still would not be beating today and you breathing. Why are you here? But keep in mind, Christ is the dispenser of your physical life, but He's also the dispenser of your spiritual life. A famous scripture, John 10, 10, says this, and I've mentioned this over and over here as we've studied John. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and have that life more abundantly. Jesus is the dispenser of your, phys- your spiritual life. But at the same time, there's somebody trying to steal your soul. That thief is Satan. His whole purpose is to seal your soul, to make you unhappy, to believe there is no God, to believe that somehow your heart beats because of some cosmic something. No. Jesus Christ is the dispenser of your spiritual life. He has come that you would have life, not only physical life, but spiritual life and have it abundantly and know your purpose in life, know why you're here in life, and know why God loves you. But keep your eyes open. That old wolf, that old devil, he wants you to believe there's no God. He wants you to believe that there is no soul. He wants you to believe there's no heaven. He wants you to believe there's no hell. He wants you to believe that suffering is just because you've done something wrong. He wants to believe, get you to believe that Jesus Christ is not God in the flesh. He wants you to take your eyes off Jesus. But no, Christ is the dispenser of your spiritual life. Christ is also the great restorer of our life. Let's look together in Ephesians 2, 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this about restoring our spiritual life. And you, meaning me and you, He, meaning Jesus, quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And I want to go on and read verse 2 because it tells us a lot about our sins and trespasses where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the, to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You see, He quickened us. We were born dead in our sins because of Adam And what he did, when he disobeyed God in the garden, he was kicked out, him and Eve, forever and ever. And we being his descendants, we were dead in our sins when we were born as human beings. And we are still sinners 
because we sin. And we sin because we're sinners. But He has quickened us. He has given us spiritual life because we believe in Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and our Savior. There in verse 2, it says we in past. That means if you are a believer and you're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, that was your past. But if you haven't been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, this is where you are now. It says we're in the past. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the disobedience of the children of disobedience. In other words, the unbeliever. You and I, at one time, we walked that way. But Jesus Christ, when He came into your life, He quickened your spirit. Your old person went away. Your new person became a new creation. Your sins were removed forever and ever. The past sins, the present sins, and any sin you will do in the future. It has been removed. Jesus Christ is the great restorer of your spiritual life. Now you can worship Him. Now you can praise Him. For you no longer walk as a child of disobedience. For He has restored your spiritual life. He has put you directly in the right path where you can pray to God the Father. Your Creator, Jesus restores the physical life. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, let's look there together. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That promise is a Spiritual, but not only a spiritual problem, promise, that's a physical promise. One day you and I will be called up out of the grave. One day you and I, in a glorified body, just like Jesus had, will be called forth to meet Jesus in the air. Unless we're already here when the rapture comes. That body you have now will be somehow some kind of a different body that I don't know what it is, but it'll be a glorious body because it'll be like Christ. You will be different. I will be different. We will be called up out of the grave just like Jesus was called up out of the grave. A glorious body. Think about that. Think about one day you'll be different that your body will be a body that will live with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit forever and ever. He will restore your physical life to a glorious type of body that one day you'll be able to worship God and glorify God in that glorified body. Christ restores the cosmic life. In Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 21, the Lord spoke to me greatly in this area in Romans 8, 19 through 21. For the earnest expectation of the creature, and that means creation, the King James language, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature or creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subject 
the same in hope, but the creature or the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That day when Adam and Eve sinned, they were removed shortly thereafter from the Garden of Eden. And they were not allowed back in. It was guarded by angels. So they could not eat of the tree of life. And in Genesis it tells us the world and the universe changed because of that sin. Man would have to dig the ground for food and there'd be thorns and thistles. Men began to commit murder against each other. Sin abound. But the world changed. And what he's telling us here is the world, the creation of the world and the universe is waiting for the resurrection of the sons and the daughters of God. It says in there clearly, there's an earnest expectation. The creation wait for the manifestation of the sons of God. And it says, for the creation was made subject to vanity. It failed to be as designed. And it's waiting for that resurrection. There will be a more marvelous world when Jesus returns one day. There will be a most marvelous creation. And it's waiting for the resurrection. For the new people in Christ. That bodily resurrection. It says there in 21 that the creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, meaning the decay of death, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Creation is waiting for our resurrection and the return of Christ. That's how important man was to God. We were so important to God that He sent His Son, who was God Himself. He emptied Him out in the form of a man and a woman like you and I to come to give us life. And not only physical life again, but eternal life. He shed His blood on the cross. He died for you, Tom. He died for you, Debbie. He died for you, Joy. He loved you so much that He came. God Himself in the flesh, He loved you so much. Can you imagine that kind of love? That He died a horrible death on the cross and all He asked of you and I is to believe. To believe that He is who He said He was. And that he died that day and after three days in the tomb, he resurrected again to overcome death, not for him, but for you and I. He is our symbol. This is who he died for so that we could be resurrected again to become all that we could be in Christ Jesus to live an abundant life, to worship God the Father. So now that we have a direct line to the Father, the petition has been taken away. The sins have been removed because of this man who was resurrected, who was resurrecting you one day, 
who has changed your life, that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is why Jesus Christ came, because He loved you so much that He was willing to empty Himself out, to make Himself of no reputation, to become a man and live in a man's body as you and I. God Almighty loved you and I that much that He would empty Himself out, limit Himself for a period of time so that He could die for you and I. Christ is the great preserver of life. He also preserves us by His protective word in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He preserves us this way through His word. But He answered and said, and this is Jesus, after he's being tempted by the devil. It is written. This is also Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Christ preserves us by his protective word. We have a protection. It's God's word. And you cannot be protected by God's Word if you're not reading and meditating on the Word of God. You see, the devil knows God's Word. And he wants to twist it. So, for your protection, for your preservation, God has the written Word here for you today to study, And to meditate upon, to chew, to think through, to ask God to help you. Because just as Jesus was tempted by the devil, He knows that you too will be tempted by the devil. And He knows the way to protect you is through understanding and reading and living out God's Word. I ask you today, Have you been slack in reading or hearing or listening to God's Word on a daily basis? Are you troubled on how to handle things in your life? Then the answer is the preservative Word of God. To be in the Word, to understand the Word, to listen to the Word, to teach the Word, to share the Word, to know the Word, because the devil is coming, and he is after your soul. He is after you altogether. He wants to trick you. But the way to be preserved by the preserver of life is to take the written Word, and the written Word is God's Word, because it says in the beginning, God was the Word. Preserve your life, protect your life, protect your family by knowing the Word of God. Christ preserves us by His redemptive work. There in John chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye... Eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. 
ye have no life in you. Whenever you see the word in the King James, verily, verily, it says, truly, truly, this is very true. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. Except you eat of the flesh of the Son, the man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. His redemptive work. Christ preserves us by his redemptive work. The day you accept Jesus Christ for what he did for you, his blood covers you. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that Lamb died for you and I. That blood covers all your sins from the past into the present. He covers you. He protects you. God no longer sees your sin. God can't see your sin because He's holy. But Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, when He shed that blood, it was redemptive for you. You're redeemed. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. All old things have passed away. Everything has become new. You're preserved and redeemed by the person of Jesus Christ. And don't ever forget that and never let the devil tell you any different. Tell him to get back of you because I'm a son and I'm a daughter of God and His blood covered all my sins. Christ preserves us by His directive will. In John chapter 14 and verse 9, the Bible says these things. Verse 19, excuse me. John 14, 19, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. His will is for you to live. His will is for you to have a resurrected life someday. His will is for you to be a new creation today in Christ Jesus. That's His directive will. My question to you today is, where are you in your walk with God? Can you say that one day I know I will be resurrected again? Has God changed your life today? Do you know Him? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If I do nothing else, if I've preached nothing else to anybody, it would be repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news of Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. That's what this is in a nutshell. Repent. And believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who loved you so much that He came in the form of a man and died for you. And if you were the only man or woman, He would have died for you. If you know that to be so, you will be resurrected in the end. You will be resurrected with those loved ones that believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be resurrected. But I will caution you today, if God is calling you today,
and you don't know for certain, you too will be resurrected. But it will be a different kind of resurrection. And it will be a resurrection where He'll say to you, I never knew you. Be gone from me to be with the devil and his minions in a place called hell. That's the bad part that nobody wants to hear about. But what did Jesus Christ come to save you and I from? He came to save us, to have abundant life, to be with Him and be resurrected with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. My question to you today, do you know Him? Do you really? Did you just grow up in church like I did and thought that was enough? Did you even come up when you were a kid or even a grown man or woman and baptized? That's not enough. That's religion. Yes, baptism's in the Bible. Church attendance or assembly of believers, it's in the Bible. It is. But that doesn't save us. And I have to think that I don't know everybody's heart. That's not my job. But if God's give you a word in your heart today that you're not certain, why would you leave here today if God is calling you? Why? If you're thinking, oh, if you only knew what I did last night, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you did last night to me. Oh, if you only knew what's going on in my life. See, you, you misunderstand. You come as you are, as Billy Graham used to say. <laughs> you, let, you let Jesus clean you up. You're not going to clean yourself up. You can't. That's why he died. Because he knows you can't clean yourself up. As the worship team comes forward today, If God's given you some kind of word or He spoke to you today, I'm so grateful. But if you don't know Him and you're not sure that one day you'll be resurrected with the rest of the believers in the same type of resurrection that Jesus was, let this be the day. You will never, ever be sorry. You will become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And your old life will pass away. And you will have a new spiritual resurrected life. As they sing, whatever the Lord leads you to do, do.